but the actual fencing around it, you just got tied into mm-hmm. the post. And then obviously you got a solid gate. But now when it comes to, I have to look into it. Like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I never built a fence before. Um, and you can possibly put the bob wire on top of that. I don't know. I don't know. I had to, to take a look into it. I mean, either one isn't really complicated, but it's a be a learning experience for both of us. The main thing is, is y'all have healthy water to drink. The water's now officially <laughs> taken care of. Nobody's yeah. going to die. It's, but 24 will be okay. That's true. There's only 24 of you guys walking in a daily basis. The water would be perfectly fine and free to drink. But so six because there's class. more than 25 of you guys, the water's not okay to drink now. Apparently. Five o'clock class can drink it, but not six o'clock class. It's so retarded, dude. I'm so, tired. <laughs> I'm so fed up with the whole water thing. Don't get me, don't get me started on that whole spill again. Uh, well, next weekend. It's going down. The hoedown throwdown's going down. Hoedown right? throwdown, part right? two. Part two. So second annual... Hoedown Throwdown. Uh, I think we count up right now. We have seventeen total teams registered. So, okay. uh, which is you know, right now we have thirty-four people uh, signed up for it, which is a good number. Um, obviously, the biggest division right now is the intermediate division, which most people usually that's like most people most people are usually doing blue or purple. Um, so it's no surprise there. That's where most of our athletes are signed up as of right now. Um, we also have I think so. Right now we have one, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. I think I'm missing one. I think we have, okay, so we have five RX teams, which a six one for sure is going to sign up. They have not signed up Sydney and Lake. Correct. They're going to do it. Okay, so six, si- six RX division teams. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine intermediate teams. Okay. And then three scale teams as of right now. And so, uh, so you I guys. Know why, but I just feel like that intermediate division is going to be. Fun to watch. <laughs> oh, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a good time. Uh, so you still have a few more days to get a partner to do that. Um, registration will close over the weekend because obviously we have to establish heats and things of that nature, and we can't have people last second uh, jumping in and messing up the heats. Yeah, so we have to have make timelines and things of that nature. Uh, what we'll have, you guys are listening to this and you're signed up for it, is we'll have athlete briefings. So you guys need to be there for seven a.m that morning um that way we can do athlete briefing which we'll do probably like seven ten ish we'll give like a 10 minute buffer time uh and then we'll probably have a- all right we're back Got Roll it again. so like i was saying we'll uh we'll have that 10 minute buffer time and then we'll have probably about 20 minutes or so of athlete briefing just kind of reviewing over uh, all the movement standards and the workouts because you guys won't know the workouts till you show up that day um so we'll go over the movement standards any questions you guys have Ideally, finishing about 7.30, um, giving the first heat uh, about 30 minutes to warm up with the first workout starting at 8 a.m., and then we'll run heats from there. Depending on how many people get registered, depending on, obviously, how long we're going to be here. Um, but ideally, we're looking to be done, I would say, at the earliest, you're probably looking at noon. At the latest, you're probably looking like at 2, right? So it just really depends on right now, we're still, it's still tentative on how many people show up because, obviously, the more people we have, the more heats we're going to run. Um, it'll be four scored events. Uh, but you only have to technically go on the floor twice, twice. if that gives you a little hint as to what's going to be happening that day. If that makes you don't sense. know the workouts, but you, don't, you can think about you it. You can get a general <laughs> idea of what's going on here. And so um, we still got time. Uh, I, like I kind of told some of the classes I coached earlier this week was because people are always a little tentative about doing partner workouts yeah. or partner team competition stuff. Like, well, I don't want to be hold somebody back. And obviously the duh thing is like, okay, you're trying to find somebody about the same fitness level as you. In a perfect world. In a perfect world, um, but more so try to find uh, 
somebody that is kind of the opposite of you to a degree, meaning that your strengths are their weaknesses and their strengths are your weaknesses, right? So you can kind of counterbalance each other out to where there's going to be probably a workout where they're going to help you out and help out the team. There's going to be a workout where you're going to be the one that's going to be more the primary driving factor to help the team out in that one. So uh, that's how I'd go about finding somebody. Now, if you're somebody who's like, okay, I'm, I'm probably a little good at everything to a degree, try to find somebody else who, who's also well-rounded. Yeah. Or maybe like the, weak, the, the weakest link for you is like one of their strong suits. Um, so you still have a few more days to get registered for that. We'll probably close registration on Sunday afternoon. That way we can get those heat sheets all kind of squared away and, and let you guys know exactly when your heat times are going to be and what heat you're in. I think last year we ran like maybe, what, six or seven heats? I think so. Um, so right now we're probably looking at, as of right now, we're probably looking at about five or six heats. Um, and so we'll probably be able to get, like as of right now, we should be able to get done tentatively around like 12, 1230. But as I said, more people register, we'll have to get more people signed up from there. Um, so anything you want to add to that, Kelly, anything I missed? I don't think so. I think you covered it. Um, like I said, I think you said what? There's three in the scale. You got nine in intermediate, mm-hmm. and then six. Six in RX division as of right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'd be fun. So that'd be a good time. Also, if you guys aren't planning on competing, uh, we still need plenty of help for people to help out with judges. Um, obviously, because we need help, to kind of run through the heats. Uh, people helping out with stuff equipment, as well as if you guys just want to come spectate and have a good time to watch and cheer on some friends. And right? I think last year we had. Like I said, I think they had a bunch of people just come spectate and watch mm-hmm. and have fun and yeah. just like hang out. And just know if you come to spectate and maybe, we judges, you're going to probably pull it health to help judge, right? <laughs> and so, um, and we'll give you the rundown of the workouts. The movement standards aren't going to be very difficult, so uh, it should be a little relatively straight. They know the movements, right? Hmm? They know the movements, right? They know most of the movements that we listen to. Like the movements that really matter the most. Right. Okay. So any weight loadings they know, um, any higher skill movements they know. It's not everything. But... Enough to where they get the general sense of, like, they're not going to be like, they oh, my God, I've never done that movie before. Join, yeah, right? yeah. Okay. We're not doing anything out in left field that they've never done before. Okay. Okay. So, um, well, also, um, last, well, I guess we'll officially know the last workout as of today on the Open. I forgot about that. Which, yeah, today's the Open day. I forgot today's 23, last 23.3. Um, kind of went by fast. Yeah, I thought overall, I think this year's, I think like Trey gave me a compliment the other day, which is very few in between that he gives me one. Trey Mankey, so he said okay. that this year he thought ran pretty well in the way of like, it wasn't like crazy outlandish like the intramural open like back in the day. Yeah. Where we had like the four teams, like the colors and things like that. Uh, but it was a little bit not as low-key as it's been the past couple of years. So kind of like a little happy like meeting to a degree. Where we had like the morning crew versus the afternoon crew, but it's not like overly complex. Uh, I thought it was fun because I, I feel like, Everybody still got behind it. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, obviously we still have people miss workouts, but, like, yeah. you're going to have that. Yeah. Um, but, like, I feel like people actually, like, kind of got behind it and kind of got going. And even on, like, Fridays, like, tomorrow, like, everybody was, like, pushing each other and kind of mm-hmm. getting after it. So, yeah. yeah. Pretty cool. So, it be a good time. Um, well, I know we talked about this yesterday. Have you had any final predictions for the last workout? So far, we've been pretty far off all the way across the board. Yeah. Normally, I get, like, at least, like, one, like, pretty mm-hmm. close. Um, I'm going to say this. Now that I've thought about it, I'm still kind of sticking with my thing, but I'm going to go box jumps. Okay. I'm going to go box jumps. I'm Just straight up box jumps? Straight box okay. jumps. I felt, okay. I, I box to jumps or box jump overs? Let's go. Cool. I say box jump overs because it's an easier standard to, to judge. Yeah. I wanted to say burpee, but we already did so many burpees last week. So yeah. I guess box jump over. Box jump over. I think the box jump is because that standard of like locking hips and knees at the top can be a little bit subjective to it. Like you have to show control at the top. 
You can't yeah. be like lock the knees and hips as you're falling backwards, right? You have to kind of like a muscle up. Mm-hmm. You have to show extension under control before descending back Coming down. down. Uh, I'll go box jump over. I'm gonna say double unders. And I'm gonna say kettlebell, either kettlebell swings or kettlebell push press. Okay, that's your go-to. Yep. Okay, kettlebell push press would be a bad option. That would be a fun one. Now, do you think the standard is just make contact with the shoulder or? I think they say. The I think the handle of the kettlebell will have to go below your chin. Below the chin? Yep. Okay. Which I hope that's what the standard is. I hope be. it's handle the kettlebell below the chin. If that is the standard. Because that's the easiest like, one. To, yeah. It's white or black. Okay. Like you know. So no double unders this year? I'm not going to say double unders. No double unders? No. I'm going to okay. say, I wouldn't say box jump overs or double unders. They could do both. They could do box jumps and double unders. Um, that's what I'm going to go with. I'm okay. going to say three movements and I'm going to say four times. Okay. Yeah, I have to say this one's for time. I gotta say for time. Compared to the other ones. It's best passive been AMRAP, so I have to say this one's for time. With a relatively I wanna say a, like like a kind of a softer cap, right? Where um it's definitely achievable to finish. Well I think this is gonna be one where you see some people finish in like eleven, twelve minutes, but then you'll also see some people finish in like twenty. Yeah, I think they usually do a pretty good job of like if they do set it for time, not at least in the past couple of years, not always, but uh to where if they set it for time where um I mean, the elites are finishing well under the time yeah. frame. And then for the average Joe CrossFitter, it's like very close cap. to fin- like making her the cap right yeah. now, right? Like it's a big accomplishment to be able to finish it. And so they do a pretty good job with that time, that time structure there. Um, but yeah, I'd have to say for time, I would be highly surprised if there's no weights in this one. So it'd have to be mm-hmm. like a dumbbell or a kettlebell of some kind. Um, Watch them like be talking about this kettlebell and then just do like dumbbell snatches. Or like never dumbbell know. hand clean. I mean, it would be kind of weird classical yeah. opens they've done. They've done, like, since 2017, they've done open. I think dumbbell pretty much every year. Yeah. Um, and so uh, it'd be interesting to see if they don't throw in a dumbbell this year. It's been a long time since they've done, like, a dumbbell clean and jerk or, like, a dumbbell hand clean and jerk. They did the hand clean and jerk, but that one's kind of like a... That was, like, a row, total bar. Yeah, that's a weird jerk. one. The weird. dumbbell hand clean and jerk, it's a... It's a it's like it's just a slow, methodical movement. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily that it's a hard movement. Like with, it doesn't do a lot. Yeah, you just have to do a really high volume for it to be taxing, or you have to go like really heavy with it to be really taxing. Seventy um, or something. But like, I just don't think them throwing out a seventy pound dumbbell is what they're gonna do. You would, you would really think not. Not right now. Not not until the next stage, yeah. in my opinion. But we'll see. Um, so but, yeah, also the last week this week, um, morning crew and afternoon crew. Uh, it's close. It's gotten tight. One fourteen to one hundred nine. I believe it's really close. close. Uh, so it's really all coming in the last week. Yeah, it's coming up. Well, the extra workout helped us out. For sure. If we wouldn't have had the, the part B, if it had just been straight up at 23.2, we'd still be in a hole. Points for sure. Oh, yeah. And so, because uh, we shit the bed the first week. So, it'd be interesting to see what the uh, the last week brings and see if we can pull it out here. I mean, it'd be close. As long as there's not like another, like, like, a, like a lift or something. <laughs> I think we could do that. <laughs> I don't know, man. You're going to see. I think the reason why we lost the first week is we had so many people not do the workout. It's all the zeros, but then average. Lot of people not do it. Um, we had like what twelve people not do it. So I mean that, that's all zeros to add to your average, right? So that's twelve uh, people that, that brought it down. I don't know. I, I I'm confident in this. I gotta stay behind my team. Yeah. All right. So um, and I don't know how many people are gonna be interested in this or not. That'll be kind of a cool jam to, uh, to kind of talk about here. It is ultimately how much mobility do you think you need? It's kind of the question for the day. Like how much? And like that's a relative question, right? Because it depends on okay. how much to relative to what. Right, and so um, I think there's definitely too much. Well, it's like how much do you need it? Well, we're gonna talk about that. That's okay. another, that's right. another part of the podcast, right? So, uh, 
so I guess like, so you kind of break this down like the way my thought process for, for, for this particular podcast was, um, you know, so like for instance, I guess the first general question that you could maybe answer and I can kind of back it up with my opinion is, do you think you need more, 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 which is, I guess is more of like a duck question, but, uh, do you need more mobility to participate in fitness slash CrossFit compared to life? Uh, honestly, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's pretty straightforward. I think like what we do here is obviously on, on the, on a fitness spectrum, right? If you take most, that's not like on the most extreme levels, right? Yeah. But I mean, you're definitely pushing way past the average person, even who's an average gym. Like going through like their daily life. Yeah. Well, just like in the way of like the, the intensity of the workout. Right. And so, um, you know, because the amount of mobility required for CrossFit compared to most, what most people are doing for general fit, for physical fitness is on a higher degree, mm-hmm. right? So like if people are going to like a club for fitness or Planet Fitness or Orange Theory, the mobility requirements out of them are not nearly on the level compared to what CrossFit has, sure. right? And so, because CrossFit is very demanding in the way of like, you're, you're, you're going through so many different facets in planes, movement planes in CrossFit that um, it obviously requires a, a big range of mobility to kind of accomplish ideal positions, yeah. right? And so um, obviously compared to daily life, yeah, for sure you have to have more mobility compared to most fitness regimens. Like obviously there's extreme measures where like if you were strictly just a weightlifter or a gymnast or a dancer or things of that nature, that would require way more extremes of mobility than what we that's do like here. That's right? Yeah. But that requires on the extreme side of some mobility, right? Like that's on the, the very far end spectrum. I would say CrossFit is, you know, obviously a tier below that, right? Where you're not, um, you're not having to go with those extreme measures, but it's still relatively high compared to most things. You still need like a good amount of mobility. Though. Yeah. Like to do every movement well. Like yeah. CrossFit, I mean, you, you got to be pretty mobile. And it's kind of one of those things where you have people like, I know the saying goes like, uh, athletes are the best compensators, so to speak. Yeah. Where, um, you know, you'll f- sometimes the best people who are, or some of the best CrossFitters find a way to get it done, even though it's not the most ideal way. For sure. Right. And so, um, it's kind of one of those things like we talked about before is obviously achieving greater mobility. Um, well, it's more advantageous to hit better positions in what people, obviously that's, that's a duh kind of scenario is obviously the more better mobility you have, the better positions you're going to hit. But what people don't really realize is like the amount of effort well, to require the energy, the energy level, saving. exactly that you're saving on each individual rep is tremendous, right? Like there's like for me, like I don't have great shoulder flexion, right? Or sort of, sort of extension. I don't have great shoulder flexion either, but, but shoulder extension overhead compared to you, right? So like doing things like hands and pushups or wall walks or anything overhead in general is going to wear me out more. Yeah. It's going to wear me out more because my positions aren't as ideal as your positions would be. Right. Or somebody like say for instance, like Brandy who has great squat mobility, mm-hmm. right. Where she can hit bottom positions very well and very easily. Her energy is not nearly as high compared to me like someone like Chris Hood, where every squat is a little bit more of a struggle to get into positions. He's got to actually try to get He's got to work a lot harder or his positions aren't as ideal, so he's burning more energy to, to accomplish each individual rep. I think that plays a big role, though. Well, it's a human... I mean, you got to think how many uh, muscle contractions you're achieving or doing at each individual workout. You're talking hundreds hundreds of muscle contractions, mm-hmm. if not thousands in some workouts. And so you multiply that out over 
and over and over again how much more energy somebody's using to work around the mobility restrictions they have to achieve the range of motion, right? That's, that's more energy they're wasting each and every single rep, right? And so, um, and so I guess the next, kind of backing it to more um, the life question in general, right? So let's say you kind of like take out the equation of like CrossFit and you move into, okay, like just the average person in general, do you feel like how big is mobility play in the part to just like, let's say just your mom, time. your dad, your brother, whatever it may be, in the way of longevity and how well they live, to live a long, healthy, long, longevity life. Like, is it like extremely important, not all that important, kind of somewhere in the middle? What do you feel? What do you feel um, is your opinion on that? I'm going to say, I'm going to give you a, on, a, on a scale of one to 10, I'm going to say it's a set. Okay. I'd probably say somewhere in that range, yeah. right? Like, I think it could definitely help you and help you live a better life. But at the same time, it's not going to make or break you, I don't think. But it could. I mean, it could. I mean, to a, yeah. if you go to an extreme, right? Yeah. So, like, let's say, for instance, you're saying, like, 10 being, like, gymnast, extreme yoga yeah. mobility, 1 being 10 man, mm-hmm. right? Like, if you're kind of probably somewhere in that 1 to 3 range. You're in trouble. You're probably in trouble, like, especially as you get older. Like, you get 30, 40, 50 and older. Uh, I think if you can achieve a moderate amount of mobility where let's say maybe you're a five to an eight in that mm-hmm. range, definitely it helps out with um, just the quality of life to a degree, right? Compared, now, I think if you're one, two, or three, I think you're also, as a detriment maybe to longevity in life as mm-hmm. well, to where you might potentially uh, be decreasing the amount of years that you live potentially because of the fact that you're, so it, the immobility that you have, um, and what I mean by that is, let's say you are on that lower range, like extreme immobility. Uh, you got to think like, for instance, as you get older, right? Let's say the easy example would be. Um, I'm just thinking about people picking, like picking stuff off picking, the ground. Picking stuff off the ground, right? You, don't ha- you lack the hamstring flexibility and the back mobility to achieve a good position to do those things, right? And as you get older, let's say you're in your 60s, 70s, 80s, and you're just doing things around the house in general, uh, that could sideline you for sure. months I mean, that, and months and months, right? I feel like that's probably how most people end up hurting their back anyway. Mm-hmm. It's like just not being mobile enough. They go to try to pick something off the ground or the yard or whatever they need and they're stuck, right? Yeah. And so, or just like lack of hip mobility or squat mobility, mm-hmm. right? To where um, getting in off the toilet, it becomes more of a difficult task to do or falling and things of that nature where you don't have the mobility to go get up with the strength to be able to get yourself up because of those things. Um, those are all factors that can eventually limit the amount of years that you potentially could live. Not necessarily like solely based off the fact that you're not mobile, but what I'm getting at is the fact that the potential risk of being immobile doing other activities, which then can cause injury, things of that nature, which then can then cause you to either move less, which then can then increase um, your chances of uh, obesity or um, sedentary lifestyle, things of that nature, right? Which will then lead to more health issues, which then from there, will decrease your lifespan, and right? And a lot of times, like, let's say they do get hurt, like, you probably don't see a lot of people, like, actually trying to make it better. A lot of times you just see people resting. Well, right? and so yeah. And then you hurt yourself, and then you rest for a month, two months, and then it's just worse at that point. Well, you got to think, like, if somebody doesn't, if everything hurts, they're less likely to move. Yeah. Right? Like, if it hurts to move around, you're less likely, you're like, naturally your body's just like, I don't want to do that. And so you're more sedentary. 
Um, and because of that, obviously more health issues arise because of the sedentary lifestyle that you're living now, right? Because in fact, you're hurting all the time, mm-hmm. like your joints hurt because you, the immobility that you have from doing that, right? So, um, I, and then obviously if you have somebody who has decent amount of mobility, right? I think you should at least strive for moderate amounts of mobility. Now in the way of, um, the quality of the years, that's when that kind of comes into play. Now, I don't know if it'll necessarily aid you having more years of life being like a six on the mobility scale to her to like a nine. Yeah. Right. I don't know if it's necessarily going to add more years for you to be in that much more mobile, but, but I as guarantee you make a difference, but as you get older, um, the, maybe the quality of those years changes compared to how much mobility that you have. Right. And look at, you know, somebody from, you know, Asia or the Middle East or things of that nature or Africa where a lot of what they're, they don't really use a whole lot of chairs, so to speak, right? So a lot of times what they're, they're using things are they're in a squatting position, right? Or sitting on the floor um, compared to, you know, most people are in, in the east side of the world, mainly in a sitting position most throughout their day. Um, and so, but those people usually live better quality years as they get older, right? Like you don't see... Asian men or women usually where they're, they're having issues with their mobility, mm-hmm. right? Compared to Americans in their seventies or eighties have a lot more issues with their mobility, right? Because even their seventies and eighties, they're still getting a squat position, things of that, that nature, right? They're sitting down and eating in a squat position or sitting on the floor in a squat position. They spend more time in mobility areas that aren't required compared to most people like in the East where we're sitting you know, in chairs and things of that nature, never really sitting on the floor or getting this or going breaking below past parallel, right? We're not um, getting in those deep squat positions and things of that nature. And so I think that's where, uh, where those quality of those years usually start to come into play. Um, at least in my eyes, like in, in, in compared to most countries where, uh, you know, getting in those different positions is more of the cultural style compared to the, the, the you know, people in America it's or in Europe, normal, right? Canada, things of that nature. Yeah, it's just in a more normal fashion. And so... Like imagine if you were walking to somebody's house and they're like eating on the floor or like eating in a squat position. Like, well, yeah, I mean, well, like <laughs> the squat, they're like, they, if you see like, you know, they'll, they'll literally sit in a squat for... 20 minutes at yeah. a time, no big deal. Or they're sitting on the floor, sitting Indian style, perfectly flat, Fine. flat, like vertical spine, right? You put my mom in that position, right? Her knees are popped off six inches yeah. off the ground. She can barely get her back straight, you know, because she sat in a chair for 30 years working behind a desk, right? All those are problems that occur compared to, it's just different cultural lifestyles, right? And so that's why I'm kind of comparing the two together to kind of show you know, the difference of the quality of the years, especially as we get older, that that mobility can start to come into play. I'm not necessarily that once one or the other is necessarily going to live longer as long as you have decent mobility like we talked about. But the quality of, of those years start to kind of really matter with, the, with that mobility restriction. You should be able to do way more, I feel like. And yeah. be able to do, maybe you better do the same things, but just kind of like we said earlier, like yeah. the effort, man, is just, it makes a difference. Like yeah. When it you have to like strain to pick something off the floor or whether you could just like bend over, pick it up and going on about your day mm-hmm. right yeah and so uh like i know you kind of alluded to this question right where i just kind of started talking about the, the actual um topic of the podcast but i mean obviously you already get your opinion but um obviously there's also an issue with having too much sure. mobility or flexibility At so least think, in my opinion. right and real quickly i guess let's kind of walk that back for a second of what you know so people understand there's a difference between mobility and flexibility flexibility Right. So like, for instance, like the definition, like for instance, if you're going to take your finger 
Okay, you put it, on, put it flat on a desk or a chair, like or whatever, a flat surface. And let's say you go lift up your pointer finger, your index finger, and you lift up as high as you possibly can. That's mobility. Flexibility, would you be pulling? And then from there, flexibility would be me pulling my finger back mm-hmm. into a further range of motion. Yeah. That's flexibility, right? So your, your mobility will never outreach your flexibility, flexibility. right? And so it's, it's kind of those things of mobility is ultimately what you're after because of the fact that's the position's through active range of motion, motion. right? And so like when you're squatting, um, you're bringing your arms overhead, that's all mobility, right? And that's what you're gonna use in daily function. Um, but honestly, increasing flexibility will also increase mobility mm-hmm. as well. This is at least the idea of it is, right? And so that way people understand what's the difference between mobility and flexibility. Those are two different terms. And those kind of get thrown kind of hand in hand with each other and they're not quite the same. And so, um, but anyways, like, do you feel like there's there's a thing as too much mobility? And your answer was yes. I'm gonna say yes. Yeah, and like, and that can be a problem as well. And, and give me your explanation as to why that is. So I'm gonna put it in CrossFit terms. So let's say you have somebody that's just extremely mobile, mm-hmm. right? Um, and they come in to work out, but they never really haven't worked out before, right? So this is kind of like the first time. They're gonna be getting in positions, like let's say for instance a squat, their ass is gonna be almost on the ground, right? Like mm-hmm. they're, they're getting really low, but they don't have the muscles and the strength in that position, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I'm gonna say, as mobile as you are, I do feel like you have to have strength in those positions. So like mm-hmm. overhead, same thing. Like if you can do a single arm kettlebell overhead hold or like a carry, if you were like, I'm trying to think about how to word this. I'm gonna let you go. Go. <laughs> Lost your train of thought yep. there. So basically tagging off what you said there was, it, it, also we had to have the mobility and flexibility to get into proper positions. But the problem is, if we solely focus on that one individual thing, if you don't have the strength in that range, then that becomes a problem in its own, right? You're, respons- you're responsible for so much range of motion now, which can be a good thing or a bad thing. But let's say you go to the extreme measures of having extreme ranges of motion now that you're responsible for, and you don't have strength, especially in those end ranges, then that becomes a problem in itself. And that can also be the reason why you can get hurt is by, even though you're mobile and you're flexible, doesn't mean that you can't get hurt. Because the fact of the matter is, is when you're, especially hitting those end ranges of the mobility, whatever that may be for you, if you don't have strength in those end ranges, that's where injury can also occur. And that's why sometimes like doing a crazy amount of flexibility or mobility training before you work out can be a problem sometimes because of the fact that if you go, let's say for instance, you're gonna take 20, 30 minutes to, to mobilize yourself before you do a back squat, right? You're gonna go for a max back squat. You might feel better in your back squat, but then the problem becomes that if you're not trained in those range of motions, you're not strong in those range of motions. You're gonna be in a position that you're not normally in. And your body's not used to. And all of a sudden now you're gonna put a shoulder weight in your back and you're gonna squat it and you don't, you never train that particular range of motion, that's where the injury can, can occur. It's okay to do some mobility to get you into a little bit better positions, right? But you shouldn't be doing so much stretching before you work out that essentially you're, craving, you're creating positions that are so 
I would say extreme, but way further than what you would normally would on a regular basis. Like if you were fresh, right? Yeah, if you're like you're just kind of maybe doing like a slight. You did more like active stretches, right? You did like some leg swings, some inchworms, things of that nature. We're just kind of slightly loosening the body up, right, and getting the body warm, and you're not spending five minutes in a pancake stretch, mm-hmm. right? And so that's why it's a, it's important to uh, when you're doing your lifts in or doing mobility training, it's like, so for instance, let's say we kind of take a step by step of if I'm doing back squats, right? And we, and we're only doing back squats to the range of motion. Let's say maybe you have the the range of motion to get into a deeper squat, but you always cut it right at 90 degrees, but you also have the mobility to get lower and be able to maintain good positions. Mm -hmm. Strength training can also be flexibility training, right? Because if I can slowly over a period of time get deeper into that squat with loading, then I'm also going to achieve strength in those ranges of motions, right? So that's what I mean by, let's say, for instance, somebody has mobility, like has great mobility, right? But they're always training their squat to break it. Like right at 90, they're coming out of squat. Well, to say randomly, they decide they're going to go super deep into a squat and they're at a loading that's, let's say, maybe 89%, then the possibility they're getting hurt is way higher because they never trained that position. Right now, you can have somebody who trains ass like ass to grass squats all the time, but like there's less likely of them getting hurt because they have strength in that range. And so, when doing flexibility or mobility training, you want to make sure that you're also pairing these things up with strength training through those ranges. Mm-hmm. And so, what I mean by that is, let's say you take the example of your hamstrings, and let's say maybe you have really tight hamstrings. In the old classic, just sit sit down, seated forward, fold, and just fall forward and try to touch your toes, right? That's a classic stretch. Everybody knows that, which is great. That's fine. You're So doing that, you do that consistently. Say so you do that three days a week, and you do it for two minutes a day, three days a week. And slowly, you're, you're increasing your flex, flexibility through your hamstrings. Well, then the problem thereafter there is if you don't have strength through that end range, that's obviously can be a problem for you getting hurt with your deadlift or anything from the floor, right? Even though you might be in better positions, you still have the possibility of getting hurt because you don't have strength in that in ranges now that you're achieving, right? You're getting through better range of motion, but you have to gain strength to those in ranges of motion that you just now gained. And so that's where like the Jefferson curl can come into play, right? Where essentially you're sending on some boxes or the edge of the box, and then you're literally taking a weight and you're folding yourself over into like a forward fold, but standing. So it's like a standing forward Yeah, fold. and then from there, coming up out of that range of motion slowly. So you're gaining strength through that range, right? You're adding load to that position, right? It doesn't mean you have to do that with 315 pounds, yeah. but you're gaining strength through that range. And that's very crucial that you're, par- you're pairing those two things up um, to make sure that you're gaining range, but you're also gaining strength in those ranges. So you're, that's why it's called bulletproofing in that sense, mm-hmm. right? And so, so the simple answer is yes, you can definitely have too much mobility or flexibility, you just got to make sure that if you have the strength in those end ranges, if you have those. I think that's the biggest thing, right? Yeah. I think it's ultimately what the, the that particular topic inside the podcast is having the strength in the in, in the range of motion that you currently have, mm-hmm. right? And if you're somebody who's really tight, you're trying to achieve more ranges of motion, but also continue to gain strength through those end ranges, so to speak. Um, so let's kind of go what should be a little bit more people are probably more interested in is the more specific things dialed into mobility with CrossFit, right? So we kind of talked about overall mobility in general, life and stuff like that. Um, 
So I kind of brought it down to three simple movement patterns. And you can kind of say in the way of like CrossFit, which one you think in your eyes is like, if you can kind of triage them as to what's most important, what's least more important. Now that right. doesn't mean it's just thing that holds true per se, because for each individual person, it really, um, it varies. It, yeah. Depending on where your needs are, but in the way of, let's say you, I don't want to necessarily use the word, the sport of CrossFit, but let's say in general CrossFit in the way of like, where like most of the movements, where, where most movements are usually kind of thrown out as, okay. like where it's the most important thing in the way of like, okay, if we're looking at CrossFit as a whole and the movements that are thrown out in a CrossFit realm, in the mobility required of all these movements, which one's the most important compared to the other ones? Okay. I guess is what you could say. That makes sense. That makes sense. So, obviously, I have like a squatting pattern, mobility for squatting, mm-hmm. hinging, and pressing. It's kind of what I broke it down to. I think most people have the mobility also to do pulling, right, and hanging from a bar. So that's why I didn't really talk about pulling. It's it's like, but pressing is a whole different story. Okay. Right? So if you kind of break those three things down, it's like a squat, hinge, and a press. If you kind of treat your options with that, like, hey, this one, like, if I was going to say, okay, let's say we had 10 men, right? Or like, okay, what's the number one thing we're going to focus on now for you to get the most bang for your buck to achieve the movements better for CrossFit? Better? Squat, hinge, or press? I'm going to say... I'm gonna go with squat. Squat. I want to say hinge. Mm-hmm. I want to say hinge first, but I'm gonna say squat. Say Just squat. because. So you're saying squat hinge press? So I'm saying. Okay. Or no, maybe I'll say squat. This was my original order. My original order before I started overthinking this was hinge press squat. Hinge press squat. That's what I was thinking first. Okay. Now I'm more towards almost flipping it. Squat press hinge. That's what I was gonna probably go with. That's what I think. I think squat press hinge is my go-to. Um, just because I think in the squat, you can get a lot of stuff done in the squat. I mean, mm-hmm. you can you can really you can loosen up your hamstrings, you can loosen up your quads, you can loosen up your hips, your T-spine mobility, which is probably, in my opinion, probably one of the most important things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that plays into a lot of things in CrossFit. I think mm-hmm. your T-spine mobility. Uh, but that's what I think. That's what I'm going to go with for sure. I think squat, press, hinge. But like a triage standpoint. Yeah, you got to think. I mean, how many movements in CrossFit encompass something of a squatting pattern? Yeah. Um, and then, but then also your overhead positions. How many overhead positions are hitting? Well, I was about to say, like in the way of, um, so in the way of like movements from you kind of think about like lower half, upper half, right? Like lower half being hinging and squatting. I would say majority of movements come from more of a squat than a hinge, right? You're doing for the most part. Yeah, for the most part. Like uh, I would say not not. I'd probably like 60, 70% are probably coming from squat and probably 60, probably another 40, 30% are coming from hinge, right? Where hinging's just in, like for instance, like a power can be considered hinge, but like a squat can be a hinge and a squat, right? And so, um, or like anything pulling from the floor would be a hinge for the most part, anything coming, honestly, squatting pattern. But I would say for the most part, most your movement patterns are going to be a squatting pattern compared to a hinging pattern. Mm -hmm. Um, But when it comes to upper body wise, right? I think most people, you don't necessarily have to have great mobility to be able to do a hanging movement, like a toe yeah. bar or a pull up. If anything, even having tighter lats or tighter right. position can almost might even help you with a, yeah. with that position because the tighter your lats are, let's say you go to arch to the bar and you come back, you have more of a snappiness to that, that's to that, uh, that toe bar or that pull up of that bar muscle up. And so, um, compared to the overhead piece, right? Where, you got to think like how many movements 
are you're going overhead with, right? You could probably argue pressing being one. Like, no, and it could be. You, like you could honestly argue it's pretty close. Like we use I mean, from just the amount of like vertical and horizontal pressing that you do in CrossFit, mm-hmm. like you could probably make that argument. Yeah. I mean you gotta think like how many things are going over your head or just how you're bringing your arms overhead in general, whether it be like a handsome push up or a wall walk, handsome walking, wall walk, wall ball, yeah. kettlebell swing, dumbbell snatch, like there's so many. All these things are going overhead. Um, and so having ideal overhead positions, you gotta think like, for instance, like me, I don't have the greatest overhead positioning, right? So, and because of that, you have, I have a tendency to overextend at my spine, right? Mm-hmm. To achieve a better overhead position, to compensate for that, you end up arching, arching your back a little bit more, flaring your rib cage out, right? And so, and because of that, if you just automatically go into that flared rib cage position or that overextended back position, it automatically becomes uncomfortable and way harder to breathe in, right? And so, and you're having to do more work to achieve in that position, right? You're, you're, you're having to use more musculature in your body to achieve an overhead position. Mm-hmm. That's more energy being used um, compared to someone like you who has a great overhead position where you're using less uh, energy to get that barbell or your body weight over, wherever it is overhead and you're using less musculature because of that, right? And so um, I would say on a CrossFit standpoint that hinging and pressing overhead, or sorry, squatting and pressing overhead are almost on an equal playing field in my opinion. And then hinging being below that, right? Because I don't think you do as much hinging from the floor. I'll say it's still important. And just in, especially in the way of longevity of life, like, lower back and things of that nature of having enough flexibility on the posterior side of the body of hinging, I think is obviously important. And so, um, and you can go through, if you want to like break down each individual body part, like ankles, knees, hips, that's fine. But we're talking about as a whole, um, you know, what, as we kind of triage it out, like what would be the most important. So, uh, and that's one thing I'm continuing to work on is that overhead pressing, but, and those are the three, like, as you kind of bring down in your head, as you want to think about in the way of like triaging squat with the press being the most important then hinging being a close second mm-hmm. thereafter. Um, and you could probably even put in their shoulder like extension, right? Like, so like dips or like bench yeah. pressing and pushups, right? But um, people don't usually have as much issue with that. A lot of times you see it more like overhead, I feel like. Yeah, it's more of an overhead position becomes more difficult compared to shoulder extension. Um, so I wouldn't put as much energy into shoulder extension as I would shoulder flexion, mm-hmm. so to speak. So flexion being like overhead, bringing your arms like overhead and then shoulder extension being like bringing my arm behind me. Behind right. You. And so, um, now if we kind of got like, I guess this is yeah, more the actual step of it. Um, so kind of breaking, like if we kind of go through step by step, let's say we're going to say squatting, um, is the most important thing to work on mm-hmm. and somebody's okay cool all right so how do what do i do from here like what's what's things like that, kind of actual stuff like what are things that i can do to improve upon my squatting positions like what would be your first step as a coach to tell them uh honestly i think everybody and this goes for everybody even if you are super mobile is just holding an active squat hold. Mm-hmm. um i think i think that with you without shoes on to like barefoot just like yeah. holding an active squat hold where they're using it kettlebell if you maybe you're a little bit more advanced um but holding that for like two to five minutes is like awesome mm-hmm. i think that can do i mean i think even you told me a story one time about john jordetti's doing that yeah well he did like a an air squat challenge where uh it started off i don't know it was maybe like 25 or 50 reps a day mm-hmm. to start 
and then you increase like 10 reps a day. You do that for like, until you got to like 200 or 250 squats in a day. But then you right. say like his ankle mobility and his mm-hmm. hip mobility. Yeah, he did like, and you could probably get him to send it to you, but uh, he did like a side-by-side like before and after he started the uh, the challenge and like how squat positions were like changed. dramatically different. He had a pretty good mobility to start, but it like got dramatically better, better. as he got towards the end of the, uh, the thing. And that was just doing, not necessarily squat holding, that was just doing active air squats on a daily basis right like he didn't do like for time as fast as possible right it was just the act of like getting them done in In a a day right in a time frame but i mean i think just that active squat hold is like a good place to start i would say Mm -hmm. um and then obviously you can even do you can even have like a band in there you do like a banded squat hold just like actually activate like actually strengthen those muscles yeah um that's gonna be the first step i would say yeah that's probably the um and i feel like people don't do that as much as they probably should no, and like, because people don't, it sucks. Like, when we um, do the flexibility test, like, people are like yeah. 90 seconds in, like, yeah. huffing and like, yeah. they're, they're dying. Because it sucks. Um, it's, not a, it's not a fun thing to do, per se, because uh, you, it's more of an active stretch, right? And like, a lot of people just don't feel comfortable there. And so your body's kind of like screaming at you, like, get out, get out. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of those things, like, if you're like extremely immobile, Maybe you can start by just holding something like a pole. Well, let's say, um, like, or like you can counterbalance a weight. Your hands on the repose. Yeah, or you can counterbalance like with a plate out in front of you, right, to help you out. And as you get more comfortable in those positions, you can slowly either, like, like for instance, I like the weight thing because you can kind of progress that over time. So let's say you start with a twenty-five pound plate, and you just kind of hold it there, like kind of like around chest level, and you just kind of have bent arms, and you kind of hold that. Let's say you do, you get to like five minutes in a squat like that. It's not too bad, and you graduate down to a ten-pound plate because you have less of a of a counterbalance. Uh-huh. That requires you to have more, like requires more work out of you. Yeah, and then you can go down to a five pound plate, and then you can do it down the body weight, and just kind of progress that compared to like holding onto a pole, um, in you know anywhere from like two to five minutes, and like you probably do that every single day, and that would increase your squat range of motion, right? Because you're working on everything. You're working on ankle mobility, hip mobility, uh, and adductor mobility, glute mobility. Uh, while you're doing that in that bottom of that squat. So that's probably like, you're talking about like one ticket item for your squat, that's probably your best bet, right? Um, other things. For, for people with like super tight ankles. Well, that's about to that ankles. Like amazing. Yeah, so that like that, that helps out a lot with your ankle mobility. Now, if you want to target specifically ankle mobility, you could do like banded ankle distraction, things yeah. of that nature. Um, but if you're talking like what's one individual thing you could do right now to help out your squat, it's just literally saying in an active bottom squat for minutes at a time yeah. right like that's not overly complicated that you can do pretty much anywhere uh and so and then you could also triage that out and say okay like like elevated pitch and stretches right mm-hmm. working on more hip external rotation um frog stretch where you're doing or even like a, a weighted butterfly stretch where you're doing working on the adductors and the groin yeah. to open up the hips more like 90, uh, 90s. 90s to work on hip and internal hip internal and external rotation uh but there's like one individual thing, that's one I would probably go with. It's just hitting yeah, squat, squat hold. Uh, so moving into the next one, let's say overhead positioning, right? So like what's one thing that you would say, okay, like here's one thing that you could probably do now that would probably help you with your overhead. Benefit mobility. you in the long run? Yeah. I'm just going to say a single arm overhead carry. Okay, so an overhead carry with I'm the I'm going to say okay. a single arm overhead carry. And I'm also gonna throw in a dead hang. Okay, I like the hanging uh, for sure. I also say just like hanging from a like from a bar. Dude, the um, dead hang like I know since my shoulders are true, like yeah, that opens up everything. Yeah, like, especially like the narrow your grip, chest, your shoulders, yeah. your back. I mean, it, it it really does wonders. Yeah, so like just like 
you can start with just a shoulder width grip and then slowly bring your hands in more narrow. Mm -hmm. even gets more of a stretch through the lats and or stuff like that. switching to like a chin-up grip? Yep, chin-up grip. Dude. That way you work on shoulder external rotation mm -hmm. as well. Um, so that's another, that's, so once again, those are kind of like active stretches, but they're, they're a way for you to achieve strength those range of motions, right? And it's kind of those things where your body's not gonna let you go to a position that's not comfortable with. Yep. And if you camp out in these certain positions uh, and your body gets more familiarized with the positions, they kind of realize, okay, we're safe here. Like I'm okay, it's right. more willing to let you get to those positions, right? So your body's not gonna naturally just let you go like, boom, drop from this bottom squat yeah. if it doesn't feel comfortable there. And so, um, yeah, I like, I like the hanging a lot, uh, you know, different versions of hanging. The only problem with that sometimes for some people is maybe they lack the grip strength to hold yeah. enough time. Oh, I mean, you can have your feet on the ground. Yeah, and like you put your feet on the ground as needed and like only applies enough pressure in the arms that allows your grip to it. But let's say, for instance, your grip is still the limiting factor. It's the only downfall to the hanging is that sometimes your grip could be a limber. And so the simple fix is that you could also like use straps and strap your hands yeah. onto the, the pull-up bar. And that makes it a little bit easier to hold on to. That way your grip's not such a limiting factor. Um, you could do things like an elevated cat stretch uh, where you're kind of kneeling, put your hands on the box. Mm -hmm. But to take that one step forward would be like a dumbbell pullover, right? Where you're yeah. kind of perpendicular like on the bench. Yeah. yeah, and you had the dumbbell in your hands and you I literally extend the arms overhead. And that way you're you're achieving, you're not doing it like a bodybuilder type pullover. You're doing it as a more of a mobility pullover yeah. where you're trying to keep the elbows locked out as best you can. And you're letting the dumbbell pull you back and you're getting that big stretch, that straightest into those lats. And then you're having to gain strength that range of motion by pulling the dumbbell back overhead, right? How do you say that? They have us do that so much in physical therapy. But the pullovers? The pullovers. Yeah. Like you'd be laying on your back and like have like a dumbbell or a kettlebell in your hand, like doing those. Mm -hmm. And that, I don't know, that just got jarred in my head. Just yeah. Like, I mean, it's a, it's a great move because you can get the stretch in there, but you have to then pull out of that position. So you have the strength to get out of that range, right? And so uh, that's a that's a real easy tool that... Um, that I would probably go to would be the dumbbell puller. You get the stretch and you get the strength all in one. You could do things like prone, like on your belly, where you do like a prone press where you're like lifting your arms up. That's more. Yeah, like that's more. Press or yeah, like but that's more like. Uh, yeah, and that's more like like, like more scap like activation. scap activation yeah. stuff like that, and like trying to gain range. Like the reason why like the prone position is good for like pressing is because you can't really overextend your back too much, mm -hmm. right? It forces you to kind of keep your midline engaged. And so, because you, you have less range of motion to lift your arms off the ground, it forces you to really use that thoracic spine, those rear delts, to achieve a better, like, strengthen those ranges, per se. What did you have them do on Saturday one day? They were on their knees in, like, a child's pose. Okay. But they had to pick their hands oh, up. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was actually tough. Yeah, yeah. Tough. So, think of it like you're in this child's pose where you're kind of like you're... Your butt's in the air and you're kneeling mm -hmm. and you put your chest on the ground. You gotta keep your head on the ground. And you gotta keep your head on the ground and then your arms are out in front of you, like kind of like in a wide position. And then you gotta lift your arm up from there. That's, that's, that's tough. really tough. That's a really hard, because if you really lack shoulder uh, flexion overhead, then that's a really, really hard for a thing, thing to achieve. Because you have very li limited range of motion on how much you can lift yeah. that arm up. And so, uh, but uh, like in the way like passive stretches though, like LA cat stretch is a good one. Um, and then uh, when it comes to, like thoracic spine mobility, right? Like that's obviously a big factor when it comes to like overhead positioning. Um, you can do like that prayer stretch with the PVC pipe where you have yeah. your hands, like it's almost like the cat stretch where um, you have your hands up on a bench and you're kind of kneeling and you're driving your chest through. You kind of do the same concept, but you have the underhand grip of the PVC pipe and you kind of have the elbows narrow, but you're trying to get your hands out as wide as you can. Yeah. And, then, your hands and then driving your chest down that way. 
uh, that's a great active or sorry passive stretch that I work on uh, that shoulder uh, flexion as well as thoracic spine mobility. So um, the biggest thing with it is like the consistency of what you do it with. I was about to say, if you're doing it once a week, it's not probably not going to do too much. Yeah, it's uh, like if you're kind of like triaging this out of like how much should you um, be stretching. Like, especially if you're like, there's one individual body part like you really lack, you minimum two upwards like three times a week is probably what you want. Like the way we said like research is what yeah. it shows is that you have to like accumulate, I think like upwards of like five minutes in a week, in right? Is ideally what you're looking to do. Um, and, and doing that over like a multiple days, not just doing like one session where you're doing like, like on a Wednesday, you're doing a five minute stretch and like, you're, oh, I hit my five minutes, I'm done. <laughs> well, when you said that, I automatically, I'm like calling everybody out, yeah, yeah, I automatically think of everybody in the gym because it's like, let's say you're doing back squats one day and you're like, all right, man, and then we're doing back squats and I'm like, dude, you are tight as shit. And he's like, yeah, man, but I stretched today. And I'm like, today, today, right? Today. Like you didn't stretch any other day, right? It's yeah. just today. Just today. Squat. Um, so that definitely makes a difference. Yeah. And I guess that's kind of like the uh, thing. It's like you have to be proactive and not reactive. Yeah. It's kind of the phrase for that is most people only start stretching because of something happened. Something happened where either they're stretching that day because they're having a squat day mm-hmm. or something, or they get injured or something gets tweaked, and they're like, okay, I'll start something stretching now. Right? right. And so they're being reactive and not proactive. And so um, that's like being diligent and like, and that's the tough part about it. That's it's everybody is it's not flashy. It's not fun. It's kind of boring. And so people have a tendency to let it like go to the wayside and just kind of like, eh, I'll do it another time. And you have all the best attention in the world. It's like, I'm going to do it when I get done working out. I'm going to spend 15 minutes. I'm going to do it. But are you really going to do it? But, but you know how it goes. Usually you get done, you get, you get you're zapped for the workout. Minutes, you start talking to somebody, 30 minutes goes by, like, oh, I got to go home and, um, or go to work, whatever it may be. And you just don't want to recruit the time to do it. And so, um, you know, just even just five minutes can go a long ways. I think I've fallen victim of this before as myself is you, you try to attack too many things on the way of mobility. Yeah. So, you know, you think of like all these things you have to do or need to do. And it's like, okay, if you can just like say, what's, what's like the one thing that I can, that I really need to do every single day that can take me like two or three minutes. And like, I have to do that no matter what. And if I have more time, then, then I'll, and I'll, these are the other things on my list I'd like to get to as well. But, but have, like, this is the, the number one thing I need to do, right? Like if there's like one thing, like for instance, like let's say you really want to get better squat, well, it must have been three minutes of a squat every day. It's three minutes of my time. That's all I got to do to work on mobility that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some other things I should I could be doing or should be doing per se, but if I'm going to knock out one, that's the one, right? And it's the same thing like for me. It's like, okay, I have to work on my shoulder overhead positioning, right? So I need to do like one piece for shoulder mobility a day and not if I don't, if I don't have time, it's the one I have to do. And, before I, and I can't, like honestly, I won't get to anything else and that's okay. But I know I've fallen victim of, I can't get to any of it. And sometimes you're like, oh, I'm just not going to do it today. Yeah. Right? Because you're like, oh, I'm, I'm limited for time. It's like all or nothing. Yeah, it's like all or nothing mindset. It's like something's better than nothing. And like this triage is down. It's focused on one thing that you have to do every single day. And if you have more time, great. We'll get to these other things as well. But let's kind of triage it out. And you have to at least pick one on, on this list that you have to do daily. That's going to help give you the biggest improvement to what you're currently doing. Right? And I think most people usually have your idea of what that is for them. It's like, okay, let's, yeah, that's true. Like there's, my ankles really suck. Okay, so every single day I'm going to do, you know, 90 seconds of side of abandoned ankle mobility, whatever it may be, or I'm going to do a squat hold, or I'm going to do, um, I'm going to do three sets of 10 Jefferson curls for my hamstrings, whatever it may be, right? And that's, um, another, that's a really good one though. What? That no one ever does. The Jefferson, Jefferson curls? Jefferson curls. Yeah. I think let's, like lastly is, uh, 
if you're working on hinging, right? Like I think probably the number one thing and with hinging, most people cycle like, oh, the lower backside or maybe, and that's a little bit more of a complex problem where, uh, you know, for some people they might actually have the mobility to get into proper hinging positions, but maybe they lack hip or core stability. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a whole other topic in itself to talk about. But if we're solely talking about somebody who they go to pick something off the ground and they're, they can't physically get their back flat because they don't have the flexibility through their hamstring. So they start to round out their spine to get into a lower position. Then obviously that's a mobility restriction that they're having. And so uh, it could be hamstrings, it could be glutes, it could be um, hips, it could be lower back. Uh, but more than likely, usually it's due to the fact, usually with this kind of people, it's like, okay, can you touch your toes to the floor? And most of them say no, yeah. right? And so uh, obviously that's where you have to start. And so starting with some type of hamstring flexibility drill, but doing the Jefferson curl is probably your number one thing to be able to do to achieve better range of motion and also strengthen that range of motion if you're doing like, if you have a hinging problem. And so, uh, and I guess the last thing to kind of, before we you know sign off on this is, Let's say you have somebody, which is not, this is far between, so that's not everybody, so this won't pertain to most people. But let's say you are somebody who has, um, let's say they have positions ideal for CrossFit and every single day, like across the board, they have good overhead position, they have good hinging mobility, they have good squatting mobility. Do they need to stretch? Do they? Do they need to? If they currently have all the things we're talking about. So like, Brandy. Okay. Is that like who we're thinking about? Sure. Let's say let's say you can use her as an example. Um, or Kaylee, my wife, who has pretty good yeah. across the board. Do they do they need a stretch? Um, What's your opinion on that? No. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> I still think it could benefit them, mm-hmm. but maybe not for like probably any longer than like what a minute. Yeah. I would probably lean to. But maybe no. I would say to a degree no. Probably um, doing more like if you if you have stuff. if you have enough mobility, then and you're training through range of motions that are proper and things of that nature, right? I don't think you really need to spend time stretching unless you're just naturally just feeling a little bit more tighter that day in general. Um, but usually, that can be taken care of as you warm up and go through movements, mm-hmm. right? So like like you're. You're warming those range of motions up through. Yeah, way. right. At first, you might feel a little stiff, like oh, you go do your yeah. first squat, like oh god, I feel a little stiff today, like my hips are a little tighter, maybe. But as you get more warm, you start to accumulate more and more reps. Usually, those things start to loosen up. You start to feel better, anyways. Um, but I would say if you have the range of motion that you are required to achieve, like that you need to achieve the, the things that we're talking about or we have talked about, then you, your time could probably be spent elsewhere, mm-hmm. really, to be honest, um, and not have to worry about it. I think it's okay if it maybe puts you into the proper mindset maybe to get into the workout or maybe be. Um, maybe it's just like a mental check. Like, if I stretch a little bit, this helps me feel better, more primed to do the workout. So I think that's fine. But I don't think it's a necessity if you're somebody who already has the range of motions needed for what, you know, is thrown out to you on a regular basis. Um, like I said, I don't think that's, you know, for every, I think for the most part, that's not everybody. Um, that's most people are not in that boat. Uh, but I just thought it'd be a kind of a, a, a question to kind of ask you at the end of no, the podcast question. here. It's like, if you, question. if you have all these things, you need to do it. And I would say no, like, I don't like for you, like it's a little bit different right now because, uh, you know, obviously come off your shoulder surgeries and whatnot. Um, but let's say, especially like pre-surgery kale there, I mean, 
I think it would be dumb for you to spend oh, 10 minutes working. Wouldn't, you would never see me like warming and stretching my shoulders. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think that'd be dumb of you to do that, right? There's no point you have the range of motion you would need to achieve that right now. Maybe like your ankles, your hips could maybe use a little more mobility for sure. squat work, right? But um, that would be not advantageous for you to spend. You just waste your time 10 to 15 minutes working on shoulder overhead mobility just because you don't need that. You yeah. have it already as much as you need it. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, a simple answer to that would be no, if you have the range of motions to achieve good positions in a certain thing. So like, for instance, if you have, uh, you know, great overhead positioning, which a lot of females do, right? It doesn't, it's probably not advantageous for them to work on that, right? right? They can spend more time working on their hips or their ankles or their hamstrings and get into better positions that way and, and not, and not waste their time doing the other things, right? I know, like for me, like, it was always like, I always like, try to do like, like plate presses and like human presses and stuff to like warm that area. That's, that's fine like, to use like his active mobility Yeah, like pieces. activate the little things, um, but I would never, yeah, it's one thing to like like get the joint warm itself, you know. But I'm talking like specifically like mobility work. Yeah. Um, I think it'd be more of a waste of time for you. Um, and I guess lastly, I guess real quickly, because I know we've been down on this podcast for a little while now, we're almost at an hour. Is um, where does like foam rolling and all that stuff kind of apply? Do you think Everything. like yes in the foam rolling, no in the foam rolling? Is it more important the stretching? Is it less more important like less important uh, the stretching? I would say like it's probably way more. I'm I'm not gonna say way more important. I think it's super important. The foam roll. Yeah. Okay. For sure. Um, maybe not every day, but I do think you should you should foam roll at least like two to three times a week. Mm-hmm. I think. So I think it. So in my opinion, I think foam rolling is okay if you have the time. I think if you're limited on the your amount of time you can give in a day to mobility. I don't think it falls as high on the list compared to the things that we've listed before. Yeah. Um, so like for instance, like it would be okay if maybe naturally, let's say I, once again, let's go with me for example of, I have poor overhead positioning in my lats are tight, right? Where spinning maybe a minute on each side forward my lats wouldn't be the worst idea, oh, right? And then if I want to spend some time afterwards spending longer durations of the time in foam rolling, I think that'd be fine too. Um, because essentially all it's doing is giving me a temporary uh, range of motion, um, but you're not going to see, fix. but you're not going to see a long-term improvement from that. That's the only thing with foam rolling. I think people have a little bit of misconception. I don't know if you're going to see long-term improvement by foam rolling all the time, um, or just naturally maybe you have some notches like that in your workout. Maybe you're a little bit more tense up that day. It can be a way to kind of loosen up the area, especially if. Um, you have tendency to maybe get tight in one area more than others on a more regular basis. You might foam on a more consistent basis. But to do like a full foam rolling... Like routine? Routine, foam rolling routine. I don't think it falls on the high list. I think I think about it more of like using it to help you. Like like being super sore or like maybe yeah. beat up. Yeah, I think that's fine in those case scenarios, uh, right? But I, I think, think that's more of like a foam rolling yeah. area. Um, and I think if maybe you have like a problem area in general, um, like maybe, like I said, like for instance, the lats or maybe you have tight ankles, you could roll your Achilles out and things of that nature. And like for like a minute in each side, that can give you like a temporary, um, more increased range of motion. Um, but you're not going to see long-term improvements. Like that's what I'm saying. Like time-wise, if you have the time, it can aid, but should that or be most of your time be spent to work on your mobility? Like it should be like your number one thing. Like I'm a foam roll over anything else. I think it falls further down the list. Yeah. I think it's one of those things where I think if you have the time to do it, great, add it into your routine. But I think for most people, if it's kind of like a tool and tool bag. Yeah, I think you use it down further down the list where you either use it a little bit before your workout and do maybe like a minute per side, not really much longer than that. And if you have time afterwards where 
maybe you're just more knotted up or you just have a problem area. You can spend a little more time on that one individual area. You might get some relief from that. Um, but overall, it, I wouldn't say it's high on the list. So if we're kind of, I think that's one last question I didn't have on my list that I kind of thought about there. So um, we're kind of running out of time. So hopefully you guys got some things out of that. Uh, you got some, um, some insight, especially towards that back half of the podcast. Just remember, uh, Hoedown Throwdown Registration closes on Sunday. Sunday. Find you a partner. You can find the link on Chalk It as well as the Facebook group. <clears throat> but in the meantime, we'll talk to you guys next week. I think next week we might do just a, a general overview of our opinion on how the Open went once we've seen all the all workouts right. getting thrown out there. So, all right, guys. We'll talk to you guys next time. See you.